You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. back to a victory green hour and it's been a couple of days since the, the Thursday night matchup in Houston where the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the Houston Texans 29-17 in a game that was I won't lie it was kind of rather boring I'm your host Elgin Rowe and as always I am joined by my co-host Connor Donald Connor what's going on man I could not agree more that is Thursday night football at its finest and one of the biggest reasons I hate it. Teams don't have time to prepare. They don't have time to get a really solid game plan and play. They don't play well because they're on short rest. There's so many reasons not to have it, but the NFL just made so much money off of Amazon to give them such a garbage schedule that you know this is sticking around for a very long time and we have to suffer through one boring-ass Eagles game every year because of it. But, hey... A W is a W no matter how ugly it was, right? That's very true. And the th the interesting thing is just outside the, the scope of kind of the other things is if Jeff Be Bezos were to purchase the Washington Commanders, does Amazon still get Thursday Night Football? But that's a different story for a different I feel like there might be a conflict of interest exactly. kind of a little bit. Just a little bit, exactly. That's why I kind of brought it up. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, what's at play. If if that were to happen, um, and that's something that we that obviously down the uh, down the line we would probably we would probably discuss. Um, but before we get started, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor Ten. Follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell Fifty Four. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Painted Lines, and follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EO uh, EO 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 Sports. Ooh, man. EOP sports. I'm uh, losing my track here, uh, man. If you're listening, if you're you're tuning in live here on the stream with us, please uh, comment your thoughts on the game, um, your thoughts on the Eagles in general. Uh, Chris is coming up already. The NFC is such a joke. It is like the, what, the what a year to kind of be in, but not be in. Like they're making the Eagles look so good because. What if Tom Brady, I don't know, whatever's going on in Tampa or like the, the, the I know that people blame the offensive line, but there's a lot more going wrong there than just the offensive line. Then you look at the Rams and how much is the, the elbow? Yeah. And how much is a, the elbow bothering Matthew Stafford, which brings you to the Josh Allen UCL injury could be massive. Um But there's just it's such a bad division when you can sit there. I think I tweeted out earlier in the week. The only eight and the only undefeated and one loss team in the NFL or in the NFC, and it is the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. Eagles exactly Vikings. how the experts predicted it, right? The, the two the, the teams with the second and third best record in the NFC, the Eagles have already beaten. Um, when you think about it, like a lot of people or a lot of Eagle haters are 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 talking crap on the Eagles schedule but like it's like they want them to play the Bills and the Chiefs and the Ravens and like they want to play all the, the top tier teams I mean I mean it doesn't happen that way when when the I Patriots think are somebody 17 posted, enough, posted the, like a 
schedule that's getting retweeted everywhere, which is all this craziness. It's like God with we, the eighty-five bears. <laughs> yeah, it's like we don't make the schedule, so you have to win where you can win. And at the end of the day, we are same with the Vikings. Do me and you both think they're a fraudulent seven and one team? Absolutely, but that doesn't take away that they've won seven games. They yeah. are atop the NFL with us as a top three team. Like we. We can't deny the fact that no matter how ugly the schedule may be, no matter how ugly you may win, you win, you win. Nobody's going to complain if you win five ugly games. If every win to the to the Super Bowl is an ugly win and then you win the Super Bowl, is anyone going to sit there and say, well, and pick apart these random games that were super ugly? Obviously, Philly fans probably. But at the same time, it's a Super Bowl and you're going to take it. Yeah, like if you th- when the Patriots are 17 and they lost – the, the, in the regular season, or 16 and 0, excuse me, in the regular season back in 2007, they ended up losing in the Super Bowl. Were, were we dissecting their schedule? Like they were going up against it. They, the, the, the Patriots, that that Patriots team, like had that had the the ability to go up against the awful AFC East year in and year out. Like I don't, it, it was just. Finally, the AFC East is good, and we're just not going to acknowledge that the Patriots yeah. ransacked it for years. Before we dive into this game, though, Chris asked which game is more important this week, Eagles versus Commanders or Saints versus Steelers. I mean, the Saints the lost versus- this week. Vaults that pick into the top five. I mean, it's the Eagles and the, and, and the Commanders. Like, let's be real. Obviously, a, a Saints um, loss, obviously, would be huge, but... I, I, wish I, Dave, I wish Dave posted this comment right before we made the comment to Chris, because this would be a perfect way to just mic drop. You play to win the game, Herm Edwards. Yeah. So <laughs> when it comes when it comes to the Saints, I have a feeling like the Saints are probably the winner of the of the NFC South is gonna win that with like a seven and or an eight and nine record. And I would hate it. It's probably gonna it's probably gonna be Tampa just by luck, because like I don't see Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston and Dennis Allen winning the division, but who knows uh, what could happen. Um, but, yeah, so let's jump into this 29-17 Eagles victory. I'm going to start with something negative. The Eagles' rush defense was crap. It was awful. Look, I know da- we know Damian Pierce is, is good, but he's not 130 yards, like whatever he had against the Eagles good. 27 carries, 139s for 5.1 yards yeah, per that carry. that was bad. They missed, they missed Jordan Davis a lot. Uh, like, look, I, Javon Hargrave got after the quarterback, had three sacks, but – there were wide open holes all day, and I'm not and like the Houston offense line isn't that good. They're, they're mediocre, but they they were killing the Eagles off the off the ball, and that happens. A short week, look, I get it. It was a short week. You have to travel, so like you don't even get you don't get practices. You get walkthroughs, and you have to leave leave on Wednesday to get to to uh, to get to Houston. So like you had half maybe one walkthrough, one and a half walkthroughs. Like it, it, it hurt. It was bad. Um, but yeah, like not like as Dave said, without Jordan Davis, we cannot stop the run. <sighs> we we almost we we almost had more missed tackles than we actually had hurries or pressures. We had, missed 14 we, miss, 14 missed tackles. we had 15 hurries, 19 total pressures. That's crazy that should not even be it feels like week one and two remember when we we're talking about week one and two and we gave chauncey gardner johnson a really hard he caught a lot of flack because he missed a lot of tackles this is but this is all around there are four different players who had two missed tackles and then after that we have what six players with a one missed tackle it was really bad and i understand 
is it can we say that it's all on Jordan Davis and the fact that he's not there? No, he is a huge body that forces the run to the outside and mm-hmm. forces you to be more strategic with your run. But this is 14 missed tackles. I would love to see how many yards after the missed tackles Damian Pierce had, because I'm sure Damian Pierce was the one who made the majority of these missed tackles. Oh, yeah. And, and we, we saw it time and time again, him just running right through the line. There was no, no, um, None of the defensive linemen were filling the gaps, leaving open wide open lanes. Linebackers not able to get off of off of blocks. And yeah, I was I was going to mention how our you know it may not come back to bite us until that Tennessee game potentially. But like even if you think about like Gibbs and Robinson can still run, or Gibson and Robinson can yeah, still I run. Say, the, I posted something looking at our schedule. It's it's no slouch of mm-hmm. a of a schedule when it comes to running backs you got Saquon Barkley you got a duo of Gibson and Robinson who are doing fairly well like you said Jonathan Taylor if he's healthy it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if he's even 75 percent of a Jonathan Taylor he's going for 100 yards and two touchdowns again you know Jeff Saturday is going to want to run the new coach oh, well I can't believe Jeff Saturday the new coach of, of the, the interim coach of the Colts is he's probably going to want to he's an offensive oh, line this is a huge Gibson and Robinson, Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery, and I put in Justin Fields here, insert the, you know, the Russian quarterback who will make us die as well, and Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. No matter what you believe or think about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers or, the you know, Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard, that is a gauntlet of running backs to go through when you just gave up 139s almost exclusively to a rookie. He was the only back. weapon that he's literally the only weapon that Houston had was Damian Pierce. Cooks was out, Nico Collins was out. Like you had to stop Damian Pierce. You knew that that was going to be the it was going to be hand the ball off to Damian Pierce, play action with uh, Davis Mills, and the Eagles still couldn't stop it. Still couldn't stop. And we had to, and we kind of poo pooed the matchup last last week, and we're talking about we you know thought it should be a blowout and whatnot. Like the spread was fourteen, I think the Eagles didn't. Uh, you know, Houston covered it, that whole Thursday night thing. Does, it is real. It, it is real. Um, you know, it, it, that could make things, or that that could the Thursday night games could really be a detriment to the favorite team, the team that's favored, just because you don't know it's going to go in. And it almost cost the Eagles. Like Houston got the ball first and went right down the field. It was, and it was and what, what makes matters worse, we are talking about a team without a real franchise quarterback, without their number one wide receiver, without their number Let's two wide They're receiver. Tanking. They're tanking, but at the end of the day, the fact that they were able to go without their two best wide receivers and still put 17 points on us, when the Brandon Cooks news came out that he wasn't going to play, I was convinced this should have been, and realistically, it should have been a three or four score game. Why was this close? It was 100% due to the fact that the offense couldn't really get clicking either. But... That to me, the fact that Philip Dorsett and Chris Moore were able to go for a hundred yards mm-hmm. is just insanity to me. The, the 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 idea that that happened is really ugly and just a really bad look. And we're talking about a, a Houston offense that against Tennessee the week before had what like fifty yards through three quarters, and the Eagles' defense just couldn't do anything. It felt like Chris. 
Absolutely agree. We sh we shouldn't read in too much into this. Um, previous Eagles teams would have lost that game. Hundred percent. We would lose ugly games in the past. We're winning ugly games this year. One hundred percent makes sense. I agree with that. But you can't. And it is a short week. But you can't look like that against. Like we've talked up the games where we blew the team out. Rightfully so. This should have been one of those games Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday, Saturday, whatever day of the week it was. This should have been a lot better game than it was. I'm going to chalk it up a lot more to Thursday than anything else. But you cannot go in against a team who is down their number one and their number two wide receivers and have a quarterback who's Davis Mills and how bad he's been and allow them to put up 17 points. Yeah, but you know that's why they play the game though. Like games aren't the game isn't played on paper. So, any and and as as Chris says, any given Sunday. So like just like this Monday night game, and I know it's a home game. Uh, we all wanted it to be the Carson Wentz return game, but it's obviously not happening. Uh, Taylor Heineke is um, Taylor Heine Taylor Heineke puts the puts Washington in a position to win games a lot. Like they could have won this back the, the game this past week against Minnesota. Um, you know, they were on a three, I think a three game winning streak before, before losing to Minnesota. So like, like we've been saying, it doesn't matter the opponent. It doesn't matter the record, especially when you're going into the division, you have to be able to show up and play to the best of your abilities and not take any team lightly. Cause if you take any team lightly that the first half of the game on Thursday, it was when it was 14, 14, we were all like, what the hell's going on? Um, and obviously, I mean, with the Phillies playing also, uh, who knows how many eyes. My eyes were primarily on the Eagles game. We had two TVs set up, but the Eagles were on the big TV with the sound. Um, so, like, they're fortunate to have gotten that win because a lot there's still a lot of people out there that aren't aren't confident, aren't for sure that the Eagles are a for sure team. Yes, they're eight, no, they're um, but like, are they that are they that good? Or are they um, is their record? you know, because of the schedule. And there's still a lot of people thinking that and aren't going to give them their, their just due until they until they start beating some teams. And the worst part is some of the better teams that we're coming up against are still teams that are going to face scrutiny. The Tennessee Titans with Tannehill or with Malik Willis. With Malik Willis, they look worse than they look with Ryan Tannehill. And that's a I saying a lot. I still think Malik Willis is going to be a good quarterback. He's just not ready. And then the Indianapolis Colts are – hundred percent a quarterback away, but now we're a complete mess. And then you look at, you know, the Washington commanders who we both thought would be better than they were. Then green Bay Packers. We both had the green Bay Packers in the, in the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl. Yeah. and they are getting absolutely put out to pasture. I can't believe Aaron Rodgers threw two goal line interceptions. They went, I think it was, they went to the, uh, the red zone five times that game and got a field goal. Like that is with Aaron Rodgers. You go to the red zone five times and you come out with a field goal. I bet you they wish they still had uh, Devontae Adams, obviously. But that's the thing. Like we're going to still go through this schedule and then we're going to run the NFC. It, say we run the NFC in the playoffs. It, the NFC has been so bad that we're not even going to get credit until we, re we reach a Super Bowl. And when we reach a Super Bowl, if it is not the Chiefs or the Bills, people are probably going to say, boy, they got lucky with the schedule because they everybody wants us to see against us against the Bills and the Chiefs against, you know, we're the number three offense. They're the number one and two. What happens if you have to go pound for pound with the one and two offense? 
we don't make the schedule and we did not nobody predicted the nfc to be this downright dreadful you find find me find me the person who predicted that at this point in the season the bucks would barely be over 500 the rams and the packers would be below 500 aren't the bucks four and five I don't even think they the may Bucks be are, below 500. I, I, I didn't want to say that for sure, but you might be correct. But that's the thing. We're going to continue and we're going to reach the playoffs and we're going to probably see in front of us a stretch of teams that made it at nine and eight and 10 and seven. And people are still going to say, well, look at the records. Look at look at what you made. You made it through Br- washed Brady or UCL beating up Matthew Stafford or whatever. There's always going to be an excuse. The point is you have to win with win what's in front of you and win with what you have and that is what we are doing we are winning with what we have and as much as we may sit here and say boy i would love to see jalen hurts against different competition to see if we should really throw the money at him he's winning where we need him to win so if we have to throw the money at him because he won where he needed to win so be it but at this point i am more confident in putting money on Jalen Hurts than I was confident in putting money on Carson Wentz when the money was put on Carson Wentz. And you know how he wants the weight too because he doesn't want to be burned twice. And he wishes he had that fifth, that extra year so that he could wait until after after next year to, to give him that money. But um, as Chris says, Hurts' development this year against pressure is the biggest thing. Yeah, he is a lot better in the pocket. Um, he doesn't – I mean, last year, if you remember, if it was one read and he's going to roll out, he – while he still rolls out every once in a while, it's not as quick and it's not as as bad as it was in years past. And or he's definitely year. not really one read. Like, he definitely – and it, AJ Brown things, makes a world of difference. A hundred percent. And he keeps his eyes downfield when he rolls out. One of the things last year was he would roll out and he would just – head down, start running, where's the sticks, try and get that first down. Now he rolls out, and you can tell he's taking his time. He's got his eyes down the field. He's He'd rather make the throw versus run and take a hit or something. So he's definitely, he's definitely stepped up a lot, and he's doing a lot better. But like you said, Howie doesn't want to be wrong twice. Could it be the schedule? Who knows? But at the end of the day, he's winning with what's been put in front of him, and we have to take that into account. And is it the schedule? If you remember last year when the Eagles uh, won the what the la- or won five of their last six or whatever to make the playoffs, and then you go in and face a real team, they're down thirty-one nothing in the playoffs in the third quarter. So it, it, it's such a, a double-edged sword here. But you know, like you mentioned before, the Eagles won the game. They're eight zero. Um, so like you, these these are wins you you're not giving back at the end of the year. They count. Um, so the, the, and. Now that there's only one buy for each conference, you need to keep staying ahead of the likes of the Vikings and the Cowboys. They're probably your two main, and I guess the Giants maybe, but even I still think they're fraudulent. But like the Cowboy, the, the Vikings and the Cowboys are your two main, you know, threats for that number one seed right now. Um, and you gotta you gotta stay uh, within arm lengths, and you beat both of them, so you have that technically like a one and a half game lead over the Vikings, two and a half game lead over Dallas. But you will see Dallas later on on Christmas Eve this year. So um, just wit- beat who's in front of you. You, you we, there's, we got to be done with these excuses of, of, of the schedule um, because, and it's hard to, because if Dallas, if roles were flipped and we, and Dallas had our schedule was ain't no, and we like, we'd be like, Oh, look at the schedule you guys have. I get it. We would say that, 
But we have to take a step back and, and say, look, the Eagles are doing what they're supposed to do. They're winning games. They're beating uh, the teams that they're supposed to beat. Um, are they going to have a hiccup sometime You know, in the next four or five weeks? Probably. Again, we've said it time and time again. They're not going 17-0. and um, and we just have to, as as all Philly fans are, be, be um, you know be be cool about it. <laughs> we won't we won't we won't get too uh, too negative if they lose a game. No, I mean you can't get too negative about it because when you lose the game, by the time you lose it, you're what eight and one, nine and one, ten and one. Like there's no reason to get too down. Fun fact for those wondering: his pressured completion percentage percentage this season is actually worse than last season. He, really? he was at 38% last year. He's at 36.2% right now. This is per player profiler. I'm sure every site may have it booked differently based on what they consider pressured. But technically, his pressure completion percentage is worse. What is up is his deep ball completion percentage because he's got a lot more to work with. The deep ball is a lot more opened up. And his true completion percentage when... If you take away throwaways and you take away drops, ranks seventh among quarterbacks at 73%. So he is doing a really good job. While he seemingly has improved under pressure, maybe the numbers don't show it, but he has improved in regards to he's not willing to make pressure be an excuse. He rolls out, he keeps his eyes downfield, he tries to make a big play. Um, But... uh, yeah, so sorry, Chris. I didn't mean to do that. I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be a, a hater at all. I'm just trying to point out the obvious. He he does rank number five among quarterbacks in pressure throws with 58. So he is under pressure quite a bit, despite this uh, protection rate and despite this offensive line. But how much of those pressure throws are created by himself and rolling out of the pocket? Well, that's up for debate. But how about some positives, LJ? How about we talk about? This is a big thing. Dallas Goddard had a really good game. Dallas Goddard had a really good game. I want to talk about defense, though. Um, they missed a lot how of the, right, how, That's my ne- how, last negative. How the hell are you going to extend Javon Hargrave, bring back James Bradbury, and bring back Chauncey Gardner-Johnson? And Kaiser you can't. Got, okay, if I had to make a choice right now, the bottom of the list for me is Kaiser White. And the reason I believe that is because you have N'Kobe Dean there for a reason. I think TJ Edwards is cheaper. I think you could get TJ Edwards back and it could be cheaper. But these guys, Javon Hargrave and James Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson have been playing out of their mind, especially the last three weeks. James Bradbury is going to get number one corner money. He's not going to be back. It's unfortunate. Unless he takes a team-friendly deal. Because, like, say the Eagles win a Super Bowl and he just loves the atmosphere here. It's potential, but I don't. You're not going to be able to afford him. Uh, Gardner Johnson. I think that they're they, they're going to do what they can because they traded assets for him. Um, so I think that they're going to do what they can to bring back him. And when it comes to Hargrave, you have to you have to think about it. Fletcher Cox is going to come off the books. Brandon Graham potentially could come off the books. Um, the cap is going to go up, but you're also going to pay Jalen Hurts. So. It's a it's a tough it's a tough one there, but I mean the the, the bonus with Jalen Hurts is you still have one more year. Like you you you're gonna yeah, but pay I don't know him. if they're gonna want yeah, him to go into a lame him, duck but... year. I don't think they'll let him go into a lame duck year, and I don't think he's gonna want to go into a lame duck year because if he gets hurt or whatever next year, then 
that, that all that money that he was going to earn this year or all that money that he potentially could earn after this year is gone if he gets hurt next year. Yeah. I, I mean, I to me, like, when you look at who's been true difference makers, I can move on from Kaiser White. I can see the reasoning for moving on from Kaiser White. The guys who have changed games for us are those three guys. And I agree with you. The two I would love to see come back and most realistically will come back are probably Gardner Johnson and Hargrave. Those are the most likely. You have Hargrave who's heading towards the wrong side of 30 years old here soon. I think he's 29, probably going on 30 next season. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, you traded the draft capital for it. It makes the most sense to bring him back. He has completely altered the safety position, which has been a safety position of complete weakness and something we of disdain that we've talked about over the past couple of seasons since Malcolm Jenkins' departure. Um, Javon Hargrave, despite Jordan Davis being gone, despite Fletcher Cox, if he play, if you give him too many snaps, Javon Hargrave is a guy who just feasts. Javon Hargrave played 41 snaps. He played easily the most of all the defensive tackles without a doubt. And he was able to produce six total pressures out of the 19. And he produced all three sacks for this off for this defense. And he's been playing out of his mind. James Bradbury is sadly the one I think would not be able to come back because like you said, he's going to warrant the money that the giants gave him and then bought him out of. And we just don't have that money to pay because now Chauncey Gardner Johnson has to be paid as a safety. A safety makes more than a cornerback. Javon Hargrave is going to get paid as a defensive tackle, obviously. And we know in the trenches, they get paid decent money. So you know that these circumstances are going to build up. While I would love to have everybody back, this is why there's a bonus point to having two first round picks this year. One of those first-round picks, and it really depends on where that Saints one lands, could be a cornerback, could be the cornerback of the future. At this point, it's very difficult to say because there's some good defense. Will Anderson if he's there. I was going to say, it's really if Will Anderson is there, or there's a lot of people mock drafting defensive tackles. I think we're I think we're set there that we don't really need to look there again this year. But cornerback and defensive end are two places you definitely should look. And if Will Anderson's off the board, I think you go cornerback. But I know we're kind of looking far ahead, but those are three guys who hopped off the page because each of those two DBs had an interception. Javon Hargrave had three sacks. We have to start talking about how we probably should have tried to extend one of those, like that mid-in-season extension like we saw a la Josh Sweat last year, Dallas Goddard, try and get them in a bit cheaper. And with each passing week, they're just getting more and more and more expensive. And Actually, Chris un- right tackle, right tackle is an underrated need, and that's true because um, Lane Johnson Lane says Johnson he's only going to play another yeah. two, maybe three years. So while Jack Driscoll, we, we like Jack Driscoll, he thinks he's good. You, you think that you're going to want to go? Uh, I don't think they would take a, a, a right tackle with a top five pick, um, but you know. Potentially, you never know. But at the end of round one, if we're staring down, like, you know, everybody's sitting there saying, I want a running back or I want this or that. That seems like the Howie move, like like Chris said, has that Howie move written all over it that he would go right tackle if the right right tackle is there. What we want him to play right away? Like I don't know if they would do. I think they would do a. a but look, in the second look, look at what how he did with Landon Dickerson. Landon Dickerson was not expected to be played right away. He ended up fitting him yeah, perfectly at left guard. Look that's at Cam Jurgen. Yeah, but we're, we're talking not like a first rounder. 
But at this point, where we were positioned in the first round, how we could see it as a first or second, is the right, right tackles there. You know he's going to go off the board and upset everybody by taking someone who's not going to be used for a year or two. It just is It is a how we move. Like Chris said, it has a how we move written all over it. But yeah, like the, the difference there with, with uh, Lane Johnson is like it was he was speaking at an event about mental health. I really take it seriously that he doesn't believe he's going on beyond a couple years. No ifs, ands, or buts. This isn't Kelsey. This isn't Brandon Graham. This is Lane Johnson has been on the record a lot about talking about mental health, physical health, and being able to be there for family, being able to be there for kids, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. That I absolutely believe three years maximum. Lane Johnson will be their right tackle. And that is a franchise altering position for the Eagles or has been a franchise altering position for us for the last how many years remember has he been Chip, here? Remember when Chip took him and a lot of people thought he was going to take uh, Deion Jordan from Oregon mm. and, and and we were all like, a, a right tackle? Like, really? But it was the right move. Got mm-hmm. to give Chip credit for that, for something. Or as Dave says, throwing Howie in the closet as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I, I think that if if Howie and the Eagles want to bring back two of those guys that you mentioned, they'll, they'll do it. They'll be able to do it. Um, you know, he'll, I don't want to say backload. A, um, yeah, I mean, probably that's what he'll do. He'll probably backload. He could front contracts. load because at, at the end of the day, no matter what they do with, with uh, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts is on his final year of his contract next year. Yeah. So he doesn't have to put a cent into that. So he could front load something with Javon. Javon Hargrave is a perfect example of someone you front load. You drop a bunch in that first year and that, a good chunk in the second year. And then kind of like he did with this, with this one, Javon Hargrave wasn't even worth that much this year. It was, or he might have been this year and not the first couple of years, but however he did it, he balanced it out in a way. And I think he can balance it out similarly for Javon Hargrave. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, that's a long term one. That's somebody who you sign him, you're going four, you're going five years, and you're going to have to figure right? out. Yeah, he's super young. You can go exactly. four, five, six years and, and kind of figure out how you want to draw it out from there. James Bradbury is a bit older. He's really good, though. I'm not going to hold t- the age of 28 against this cornerback. We've seen it with Darius Say. Age is just a number if you're, like, shut down, if you're really smart at the position. And these two guys are just really intelligent. They play the game so well. Like, when I look at James Bradbury, James Bradbury is one of the most targeted cornerbacks in the league. And he is not, he is ranking in the top for reception percentage allowed, quarterback rating against, so on and so forth, all these statistical categories. He's just doing so well in them. He's going to get that CB1 money. And at the end of the day, do you want to play, pay the CB1 money for a, a guy who's going to be 29 next year when you already have a cornerback who's on CB1 money and Darius Slay? Or do you want to play safety number one money to a safety who can be a cornerstone for your franchise for five plus years? And then draft a corner that can be your number two that can learn under Slay. And then when Slay is gone, he moves up to number one. Um, that's why I wanted Sauce Gardner last year. Like, He's so good. And he's looking good. He is looking wanted, really good. I, I really did want Sauce Gardner. Like, and Derek Stingley, like, he wasn't awful on Thursday night, but I, I think Sauce is better. 
I also he think he showed some good games too. Like like Stingley has showed some really good games. I wish we took Pat Sertan too. Like there's some oh, cornerbacks that we missed. And on, I think but... that's who the Eagles were hoping like would drop. I don't think they thought Denver was gonna because if if he would have dropped, they would have probably went Sertan over Devontae. And who knows how things would be changed now because we would have Sertan, Devontae would be on the Giants, and whatnot. Like so, things would definitely be different. But um, yeah, I would I would have loved Sertan. I would love Sauce. Um, so was that I definitely Ringo? agree with I, I definitely agree with Chris Keeley Ringo would be a good one because I mean we one? yeah that's yeah. Georgia we learned go Georgia man they they build an incredible defense there's no reason not to continue to look there just like the Alabama offense Jalen Hurts used to be in the Bama offense Devontae Smith was in the Bama offense we're starting to learn and it's about time that Howie took note stop looking at like FCS guys and start looking at the no, FBS stop looking the, at the, Pac-12 the cream guys. of Pac 12. Yeah, look at the cream of the crop. And I would definitely agree with that point. If there's an opportunity, I see people mocking us with like defensive tackle. I don't think it's as much of a need as as cornerback or as much if if will anderson's there you have to take will anderson i'm sorry you you have to take will anderson if any way shape or form that pick has an opportunity to be will anderson you do it otherwise i agree with chris at this point i would look at corner and i would look the best one on the board right now is keely ringo otherwise really then it's just see what's on the board and take the absolute best player available at a position of need or presumable position of need yeah, and I mean, obviously the Eagles build from inside out. So if if Will Anderson's there, that's who they're going to go with. If if, if a, I don't think they would go offensive lineman, um, but you never know. You never know with the Eagles. But they, they do need that depth, and they need some young talent at, at defensive end. They have Josh Sweat, but he hasn't been the same since they paid him. Um, we still have Hassan Reddick who's going to be here. But, yeah, um, they're going to have to replace, you know, Brandon Graham. You're going to have to place Robert Quinn, who, yes, he didn't have many – snaps on he hasn't had many snaps in the two games but like he, he's going to be off the book so you're going to have to get some guys get some depth get some bodies and if you can get will anderson i know he's playing on a, a bama defense that has not played good at all this year he is still the best defensive player in college football i don't care what anybody says will anderson is a beast and i would love for the eagles to draft him and they just use Hassan Reddick so differently. Like, I just don't feel like you would ever get to a point where you have Hassan Reddick as the true edge, like as a true Brandon Graham edge or a Josh Sweat edge ever. So you know that edge is going to be a need because they just don't want to use Reddick in that way. They want him more as like the a stand-up rusher, maybe off-ball linebacker periodically, which I'm pleasantly surprised they are not using him that much in coverage and it should continue to remain that way. But they he just did have one good play. Him. He had a good play on Thursday in coverage. I was mad that he was in coverage, but he had a good play. Yeah, you can't you can't complain when they put him in coverage. Like periodically, it's okay, but that's how you know Edge is still a need because Reddick's just being used as a versatile piece that he is, and that's just not. They're just never going to use him as a true edge. It's just not going to happen. And Brandon Graham's not going to be able to go on forever, despite how good of a year he. Well, in the early going, he had he, he's kind of tapered off a little bit, but he he really had a good start to the season, and I'm sure he will have those moments where he'll be pretty good. Let's turn it back though to the offensive side of the ball. You did want to you did mention Dallas Goddard before I turned us to the defensive side of the ball. Miles Sanders had a really good night. 
I got called for three running back, three different rushing touchdowns. We got two. We were close. And and I thought for sure I texted you. I thought Boston Scott was getting that one that on the one carry for five yards that he had. Um, but he didn't get it. But we did get Miles well, they Sanders. Threw the touch, they threw the touchdown pass to Dallas got it. That exactly. Was, that was when you texted me. Yeah. I I I, I'm, I thought it was good. I mean, I thought that they would have ran it, but Goddard had a real, he had a really good game. Like, yeah, just Miles to point Sanders out, Miles, also had a good game. yeah, he did. He he actually rushed for more yards per carry than Damian Pierce, 17 for 93 and one. Dallas Goddard had nine targets, caught eight of them for 101. And then, of course, AJ Brown targeted six times. He got four for 59. Devonta, four for 59 and one, sorry. And then Devonta Smith was a bit more quiet, but you know, if you have Dallas Goddard going for 100 yards, it's some wide receiver paid the price. It, it just Quez, makes sense. Didn't Quez have a couple catches too? Like Quez, Quez, yeah. Quez was targeted twice, two for 25 yards. And I think they both came in the first quarter and then they first never looked his way again. Yeah, it happens. But no, like it, it took the, the – like the offense was rolling like the, pretty much the entire game. Like they had, they had a – they punted once maybe, once or twice. Um, it took the defense a little bit longer to get, to get going because when you have a team that wants to be physical – and knowing that they're the underdog on a short week, they're going to come and try to pound it at you. And that's what they did with Damian Pierce. And got to give them credit. We all talk. There was a lot of talk about Damian Pierce. And, you know, I actually wanted to draft them in fantasy. I wasn't able to get them. But um, you got to give the young man some credit. Like, Houston has so many picks if they can get. Like, I think, I really do think that Lovey Smith is going to be a one-and-done coach. I think that they're – they want Josh McCown for some reason to be the coach. And now that the Colts did what they did with Jeff Saturday, it wouldn't shock me if Josh McCown is the next head coach of the Houston Texans, you know, in the next year or two. And then like they, they, they get themselves a quarterback. They use all their picks just to get a bunch of stud players. But for now they're a bad football team. So it's just, and it's such a bad look to, I don't want to say that they're scapegoats, but they're kind of, you use two minority coaches as scapegoats essentially to get to your guy because when they fired who the the coach David that they Cully. fired last season, so yeah, David Cully, they literally got mired in this this like oh they fired this guy and they were making a big scene because they were just interviewing a bunch of white coaches and their favorite was clearly Josh McCown. He was clearly the front runner, and then they just overnight at the 11th hour pivoted to lovey smith like and then you're going to use lovey smith as a scapegoat you look no better as a franchise than you looked when at the 11th hour you pivoted to a minority coach in the offseason last season just to get where you want to get now this year it's kind of disgusting and then you kind of see you hear the feedback from people getting out of the texans organization and you say you see it and you're like this organization is a mess Mm-hmm. And despite all the picks that they have, despite all the salary cap that they have, I just don't – I think it's going to be a longer rebuild. Like, I just don't well, think that it's going to be that simple. Their ownership is terrible. So, you know, we'll stay safe. The Colts mess isn't just hiring your friend over guys that should give a shot. I don't know what it is. So, I mean, that was – I don't know why they went the Jeff Saturday route. Um, and because it's, I think it's in season, take a chance, give a guy a a consultant. He was a being a consultant for them. Um, like they should have just asked Peyton Manning, I guess, at that point. Um, but like it's It's an interim, so they didn't have to follow the Rooney rule. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I kind of feel bad for Frank Reich. Like 
But I mean, but he also vouched for Carson and wanted Matt Ryan. So, but they didn't. They didn't give him a young quarterback. But there's no with. to me. There's no reason that Reich is the one out the door when Ballard should equally be shown the door. Like that is that is one of those ones where you should be turning over the entire coaching staff, entire front office, and starting from scratch essentially because. You've been a quarterback away for how many years now? You've been a quarterback for how many years now away, and you haven't been able to do it? I think Ballard's going to get fired at the end of the year. I know that Ursay said that he's doing a good job, but I I do think at the end of the year he's going to He's done an incredible job at drafting and building the team that's there, but they can't get the most important position in football right. And I just don't understand how you cannot get that position right when you've been provided so many opportunities. Although a lot of the teams that we said a quarterback were a quarterback away kind of mucked it up this year. Russell Wilson wasn't who we thought he was. Matt Ryan was exactly what we thought he was, a washed 38-year-old quarterback. And Carson Wentz is exactly who we thought he was as well. So they kind of messed it all up. Why are we giving the Colts this much airtime? I don't know, but they're a complete mess and they don't deserve to be talked about this yeah. much. I think because we're in the whole coaching carousel thing, but yeah. And I All did right, see so, ESP look. talk about Frank Reich. There is no reason Frank Reich returns to Philadelphia. Absolutely zero reason we'll Frank Reich returns. Though. He could potentially go to Jackson. He though. could go there, but like it kind of sounds like the Nick Foles, Carson Wentz situation. Like you and I would take in-house, I would take Brian Johnson before I took Frank Reich. In-house, Well, I think they would have to because I think Brian Johnson might get some interviews as as an offensive coordinator next year. Agreed. I think think Steichen's going to get a job as a head coach, and I think Johnson's going to get interest. And the only way to keep Johnson around is to get Steichen out the door to a head coaching job and promote Johnson. The Eagles could have three new uh, coordinators next year. Uh, Gannon goes, uh, Steichen goes, and Clay gets fired. Um, so we'll see. As um, he should be. As he yeah. should be. All right. So before we finish this off, let's go to uh, the unheralded player of the week for week nine in the National Football League. So who do you got? Do you have somebody? I don't. You All go. Right, me, I'm going to go Javon Hargrave. Um, he's And look, does does his money warrant him being unheralded? No. But he's always – he's that, that quiet guy. He had two sacks last week, three sacks this week, so five sacks – you know, in these last two games, in, in the last two games, he, this is the opposite of what he did last year. He started off strong last year and <laughs> he started off strong last year and slowed down this year, started off slow and is finishing strong. So I'm going to go Javon Hargrave with three sacks for the Eagles. I like it. I like it. I am debating two and they're both running backs, but I'm going to give it to the guy whose team has way more of a chance. I'm going Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, 24 for 93 and two. He had a massive game for the Ravens and bonus points. He helped the Eagles draft pick by helping them <laughs> beat the Saints on Monday night. Yep. But that was a massive game. Kenyon Drake is a guy who he's, he's actually not a bad running back. He's a really solid number two option at the running back position. If you need one, he's kind of been kicked around teams. The Raiders showed him the door. He got an opportunity in Baltimore. Baltimore has been struggling with injuries in their backfield. Gus Edwards was down. JK Dobbins is continuing to struggle a bit with his recovery as well. And then you have, him go and put up 14 of the 27 points on Monday night or 12 of the 
27 points on Monday night. Big game. The other guy was Jamal Williams because that's just such a crazy concept that the Detroit Lions beat the Green Bay Packers and that the Green Bay Packers are doing just that horribly. But the Ravens are at 6-3 and and, well, the Lions could have a shot at the playoffs. The way the NFC is looking, they're not going to get there. So it matters way more for Kenny and Drake to be a part of that huge Baltimore Ravens win, who are 6-3 and atop the AFC North, I do believe. Um, so Kenyon Drake for me. That's good. Kenyon Drake from Alabama and Javon Hargrave. All right. So a different, it'll be a different, uh, host on Friday with you, Connor. It's going to be you and one of, one of the, uh, paint line guys Do we have, is that nailed down yet or it's not nailed down. I'd like, uh, I, I think Chris is coming on. He thinks he can make it. I, I, I'm going to, I might ask Shane as well. I'd love to have Shane on and get his insight, but we're going to be breaking it down Friday night, no matter what LJ, as you can see, he got a nice fresh haircut before he came on the air. Um, but he is going to uh, enjoy his weekend, get it, get it, having some drinks and partying at a wedding. So I got to cover this off, but I will do my best to host this this extravaganza on Friday without you. Yeah, I'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll be will be the day after the Eagles against Washington. So uh, change it. <laughs> but you need to get both of them on. That that'll make for an intriguing uh, an intriguing show. Have Chris, he said Chris says J.K. Shane, but he I don't know if he means that. <laughs> all right thanks thank you everybody for listening and as always remember to follow us on twitter at the kelly green hour for connor i'm lj berger eight and oh go Bur- go eagles you want philly food yeah let's do it sanders patiently running sanders could cut and another block sanders still going inside the